You're listening to Coca Radio Converse Internet Radio for the students by the students. This is Hearts and Parts, the love child of Coco Radio and Converse Ally Club, where we discuss LGBT history, music, and current events. In today's episode, we'll be discussing LGBT political representation and the history of the LGBT people being elected to office in the U.S. First, we'll discuss moments in the movement, historical events, figures, and context of the LGBT movement and culture. Representation of minorities in politics has always been an important step in shifting public policy and attitudes. Following the 2016 presidential election, local and state elections in 2017 gave way to much LGBT representation in the face of an otherwise unforgiving federal political climate. However, 2017 is far from the first time transgender, homosexual, and bisexual individuals have served in elected positions. Today, we'll be going over a brief history of LGBT representation in politics in the U.S. The beginnings of gay representation in legislature is fairly grim. The first openly homosexual elected official in the U.S. was Kathy Kuzichenko, elected to the Ann Arbor, Michigan City Council in 1974 as an out lesbian, where she served for two years before leaving politics completely. The first openly gay man to serve was the much more known Harvey Milk, a San Francisco city supervisor, elected in 1978. Sadly, Harvey Milk, who passed stringent gay rights ordinances in the city, is more known due to his tragic assassination alongside the San Francisco mayor later that same year. His murderer served only five years for his crimes. Following Milk's assassination until the late 2000s, gay politicians have typically been outed by opponents and reporters during their terms, and one outed after being found engaging in a sexual act with another man in a bathroom in the House of Congress. Transgender politicians fared no better, and much later. Althea Garrison, a Massachusetts state legislator, was outed in 1992 shortly after being elected. While she finished her term, she's never been re-elected in the wake of her outing, despite running multiple times. She's widely believed to be the first transgender black woman to hold public office. Just over 10 years later, in 2003, Michelle Bruce was outed after running for her second term as a member of the Riverdale, Georgia City Council. She's come out saying she's always identified as transgender, but wasn't upfront in her campaign about her gender identity, perhaps because it was irrelevant to her platform and her ability to serve as a city council member. Regardless, the climate surrounding transgender issues in 2003 was not as accepting as the climate in 2017 that allowed Danica Rowan to be elected in Virginia. However, Rome is not the first openly transgender legislator elected. Stacey Lawton was elected in New Hampshire in 2012, but never seated in the House of Representatives after it came to light that she had a prior felony conviction for credit card fraud. Times have improved. While numerous LGBT politicians have been outed from the 80s to the 2000s, we have had gay representation in all 50 states in some form. 43 states have elected openly LGBT individuals to a House of State Legislature, and we have even had openly bisexual women serve as a governor in the state of Oregon. Hopefully, as we find ourselves in a more accepting world and more of our peers serving in public office, we can find the courage and the will to serve in public office to better our homes for the LGBT community and the community overall. 
Here on Hearts and Parts, we aim to feature an LGBTQIA musician who has influenced their field and the community. This week, our featured artist is Shay Diamond. After years in the foster care system as a runaway, Shay was desperate to find a life in a community supportive of her gender identity and willing to do anything to achieve it. She got caught up in crime trying to support her transition and was sentenced to 10 years in a men's prison. Here, she spoke to other like-minded transgender women about their experiences. It was with their support and knowledge that she began writing her songs. She'd always been passionate about singing, but feared judgment. And with the support of these other women, she pursued a music career in New York City upon her release in 2009. She found a supportive community and recording studio where she released her first single, I Am Her, as an anthem, quote, for all those that felt shunned for simply being who they were. She's since performed for the It Gets Better Project and the When We Rise miniseries on ABC. So without further ado, here's her funky anthem, I Am Her. If you had to wear my shoes, you'd probably take them off too. There's an outcast in everybody's life and I am her There's a shadow in everybody's front door and I am her There's a dark cloud in everybody's sunlight and I am her Yes. 
It's time to discuss current events out in the world here on Hearts and Parts. This past November, citizens elected at least six openly transgender people to public office. From city councils to election boards, these people are making history and changing our future because of one key word, openly. Like I've said earlier in this podcast, there have certainly been transgender people and even transgender people of color in office. But until now, no out and openly transgender person has been elected. These men and women openly campaigned as transgender people and viable candidates for public office. In Danica Rowan's case, she even did so against Virginia's self-proclaimed chief homophobe, Delegate Robert Marshall, the man responsible for the proposal of a restrictive bathroom bill similar to the HB2 passed in North Carolina in March of 2016. November also saw the election of the first openly transgender man and woman of color elected to office. Philippe Cunningham and Andrea Jenkins, both serving on the Minneapolis City Council. Steph Kuntz and Lisa Middleton also won seats on their city council in Doraville, Georgia and Palm Springs, California, respectively. Tyler Titus, a transgender man, was elected to the Erie School Board in Pennsylvania. For the most part, the response to the election of these individuals has been positive. Given that they won the majority vote, unlike in the presidential election of 2016, citizens seem excited to have capable people in charge regardless of their gender identity, and even Christians have come out in full force supporting candidates like Danica. On Twitter, following a man asking Christian parents how they would explain Rome's election to their children, they responded with messages of kindness and grace on how they've raised their kids to embrace diversity, find beauty in the variety of our population, and rejoice in the way our times are changing for the better with people like Danica in charge. But why is this important? People not involved in LGBT rights movements may see these elections as pointless or even a step over the line. 60% of the US population thinks society has done enough or gone too far in accepting transgender people. However, that still means 40% believe we haven't done enough. And you can bet that transgender people themselves are part of that 40%. In the past, being outed ruined careers. Transgender women would fail to be reelected after their identity came out. And as discussed previously on this show, transgender people are still targets of violent hate crimes, murdered at rates far above that of the general population, and often have no legal protections for their civil rights. Transgender people holding office can change that, just as it has done for women and people of color, and that it is still doing. 55% of Democratic and 73% of Republican candidates are still white men. As fundraising becomes more feasible for these LGBT candidates and their election plausible, more feel comfortable and find the means to run for office. Members of minority groups, whether racial, ethnic, gender, or sexual, are the biggest advocates for their own rights. Rarely can we count on outsiders to understand the humanity of someone different from them and use their voice for our rights. By holding office ourselves and moving to higher and higher positions over time, we can advocate for change and propose policies that benefit equity for minority populations. After her win, former Vice President Joe Biden called to congratulate Donica Rowan. Today, I'd like to congratulate the transgender individuals who are brave and victorious in the face of adversity. Danica, Steph, Lisa, Andrea, Felipe, Tyler, you're going to make us all proud. That's all for this week, y'all. 
Join us next time to talk about the history of harmful conversion therapy practices and our own vice president's support of them. Got a question for me? Click the link in the description for a chance to hear your answer on air. Until next time, I'm Vic Sloan. Be kind, Converse. Thanks for listening to Coco Radio. If you like what you hear, follow us on SoundCloud or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And check out our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat for daily updates.